0: Howdy, y'all. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream can ease aches, pains, and inflammation and arthritis with topical CBD. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream provides immediate relief by combining the powerful regenerative properties of CBD with other active botanical ingredients. Each bottle of cosmetic Hemp Pain Cream is packed with 400 milligrams of their patented water-soluble CBD, ensuring maximum absorption into the skin. Be kind to your skin. And head over to Cosmedicated.com, C-A-U-S-E, Medicated.com, and get 20% off of your entire order. Love it. All right, let's do it. Welcome in to the South of Scruffy podcast. My name is Ben Fields. I am your host. Thank you guys for listening. You guys are turning out, showing up. I appreciate it a lot. Numbers are going. You guys are interacting with me on social media, hitting me up via email. I appreciate it. Keep doing it. This is super fun, guys. Thanks for being a part of it. I've got uh, Sam Thomas on the show today. Sam Thomas is a four-time Grammy Award-winning sound engineer. Sam has recorded many records that you're familiar with. Uh, He's worked with Ludacris, Mary J. Blige, Indie re a bunch of really fantastic musicians, and uh, Sam has produced some work that you've definitely heard. Full disclosure, this is mine and Sam's second interview. Uh, Sam came by the shop right when I started the podcast, and we talked for three hours and 15 minutes. I appreciate you guys listening a lot, but I did not want to presume that you guys were ready for a three-hour and 15-minute podcast right off the top. So I had Sam back in. We got it down to about an hour. Uh, It was our second time, so we hit all the high points, and it was fantastic. Sam is an unbelievably talented dude, super chill guy, and we had a a great time. And uh, I hope he comes back at some point because uh, the man has a story to tell. Thank you guys for listening. Let's do it. Sam Thomas. Uh, How are we doing?
1: pretty good man sounding good yeah i'm wondering about my jacket though
0: it's a little squeaky it's all right you can't be wearing patent leather up in here
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might just take this off hope you don't freeze all right yeah thought about wearing another jacket i was like oh, i love this jacket
0: <laughs> i'm just gonna tell everybody it's your leather pants making all that noise <laughs>
1: it's my underwear <laughs> Dude, how are you, man? Man, I am fantastic. I'm glad you're here. I am glad to be here. Thanks for coming. Deja vu. I
0: know. Something (laughs) something about it feels familiar. It's awesome. Yeah. What you been working on lately up to?
1: Man, I have been, let's see, what have I been doing? Mastering, mastered a few records. Yeah. Some artists down in uh, Atlanta. There's this rapper, Ben Hated. Worked with him. He just did a record with Big Gip from uh, Goody Mob. Cool, a very cool record. Just yeah. mastered that last week. Is it done? The it's a song. Oh, it's just a song. A song? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Song's done. What else? Um, working on some Food Network shoots with the yeah the Pop fizz crew. Yeah, man. Enjoying that. Enjoying. Uh,
0: GoPopFizz dot com.
1: Go. Uh, yeah. GoPopFizz. <laughs> at GoPopFizz. Yeah. Hashtag.
0: Did your. Uh, you're you're moving into like the the camera world, right? Camera, uh,
1: location, sound. Yeah, um, yeah. I, really I guess
0: location sound is new for you too, because you spent a career. Yeah, what doing?
1: Yeah, location sounds pretty new. Um, I guess it's been about a year that I've been doing it yeah. so far. Um,
0: what were you doing before that?
1: I was um, past twenty years. I've been in the recording studio, engineering. Rec- or, yeah, or, yeah. Engineering, producing. Mixing, mastering, tracking, everything, all songwriting, all all audio-related stuff. Yeah.
0: is uh, was Did it start like as a, wanted to be in the music industry and or wanted to be a musician and then got in the studio? Is that how that went?
1: Yep, basically.
0: That's, it's how it goes, man. It seems like. I
1: mean, I was, uh, I'm a guitar player. This is my big thing. I mean, yeah. I play other things, but guitar is like my main instrument. And yeah. I was in a couple bands when I was younger and just couldn't quite get the unit together. The band, the together? band, yeah. yeah, couldn't get the right fit. Yeah, I mean, it was like you know the drummer ended up having heroin problems and
0: that'll get you.
1: <laughs> and the bass player was always late and he was an alcoholic and he always had an excuse and
0: yeah. The music industry breeds a lot of people that are that are you know, yeah. got demons some sometimes
1: mhm yeah yeah it was a it was a really cool band, and we could we could have had a future, but it just didn't work out, and so I was like, man, I really like this, I really like what's going on here, but I don't have my shit together, yeah so let's uh let's go on the other side of the glass, yeah, let's help out those that do have their shit together and yeah. And then I'll just think about what's going to happen in the future when, whenever it happens. And
0: was there part of it, part of you that was like, okay, if I
1: get on the other side
0: of the glass and understand this from an engineer, an engineering standpoint, it'll make me a better musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Was there any part of that that got you interested in in doing the behind the scenes?
1: Well, yes. Um, I always had some sort of recorder, ah. like when I was young. Like, yeah. I was like. 10, 11, 12 years old. You know, I started playing guitar when I was eight. Oh, wow. And all I wanted to do was write songs and yeah. play guitar. And So you and started I, recording them and yeah, yourself? I a, yeah, I had a little Tascam Porta Studio for a little cassette tape four-track recorder. Oh, cool. Did you plug a mic in and plug your guitar in? Mm-hmm. And, yep. Yeah. And then you record a couple tracks, and then you flip the tape over, and you record a couple more tracks, yeah. and you can blend them together. And, you know, I had another tape deck that I would you know, record it to, and then just kind of bounce back and forth and build up my tracks and everything. Yeah, that's
0: primal, but you were doing it.
1: Yeah, so when it, and I did um, a bunch of live sound in my younger days. Okay. When I was way too young to be able to get into the venue, but I was running sound, so. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they say about all the, like, uh.
0: I don't know, Aerosmith and all those, you know, all, Rolling Stones, you know, they had one member
1: of the band who was 16 and, you know, they couldn't get into the club mm. <laughs> unless they played and, and yeah. sneak them in through the back door. Absolutely. Play the bass. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've seen that happen a few times. And, uh, but yeah, I was just like, you know what? I want to, I like what's going on. I like being around creative people. Yeah, I like seeing talent. Yeah. I like seeing players and yeah. and writers, yeah, and I'm a message guy, I love great lyrics. You can move people, yeah, and you can make them happy, sad, cry, jump around, thrash, yeah, vibe out like there's just so many outlets for music that I was like, I gotta get into this, and so, yeah, went to full sale right out of high school,
0: oh yeah, and that, is that in orlando?
1: it is, yeah. yeah,
0: that's a big one, that's a big uh. I mean, I guess it's technical, but it's an art school, right? I mm-hmm. Mostly, and so you kind you kind of have the tech side and the, the uh, art side
1: with people. Um, yeah, it's it's you know mostly recording arts, um, film, video, yeah. gaming, like, like making sound. video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, like virtual reality was just getting hot, and <laughs> they had like doing all that stuff. I, yeah. I mean, I went to Full Sail in '98. Yeah, when 99. when virtual reality was getting
0: hot for the like
1: second of four times (laughs) (laughs) it was a million dollar systems the the towers and computers were huge and
0: have you noticed that that like vr has had this kind of it's it's been around a couple times uh that it's really been popular and people have made big pushes towards it and it just there's something about
1: it that it can't break through and become the way i mean i've never actually used it before like the little goggle things or whatever and all that i've never even so you know
0: what um 3D movies have been have had the same, like the same kind of career that VR has. uh, 3D movies have been around for a long time. I mean, they started. I want to say in the 60s or 70s they started messing around with the with the idea of like Mm. stereoscopic kind of 3D stuff, and it's it's failed three times now. I mean, you you remember ten years ago you went you could see a bunch of 3D movies. Yeah.
1: Well, I have a problem with those because. I've had three surgeries on my left eye ah. and I was born with eye problems and Yeah, and I've had prisms in my glasses. I've worn patches on my eyes and all that. So whenever I'm looking through those red and blue glasses, yeah. like it, it doesn't work for me. Right. Like I just, it make it gives me a headache more yeah. than anything. <laughs> okay.
0: So, so this is my, this is my theory, like the reason VR and, and, and 3d, uh movies and all that can't catch on is because people don't like to wear stuff on their face. Mm-hmm. it makes them feel weird things um it's the same reason I think that Google Glass mm-hmm. you know was gonna be the next big thing, and then the Apple watch became the the wearable mm-hmm. you know the the popular wearable technology it's on your own oh, you got one on yeah. yeah yeah but but still, like you know going to school learning v r learning 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 three uh, d that's definitely. It's like you're on the cutting edge of stuff, and it's like who who wins? Does beta win or does VHS win? Mm-hmm. You know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I think it's the thing that wearing stuff on your face, people can't. I can't think get
1: behind. I think the uh, the sound of movies has uh, as it's gotten better. The what are we at now? Eleven point two, or I don't even know. Is that know right? What, I don't know what it is. It's yeah, it's got to be something very yeah Dolby surround eleven point two. Something I don't. I'm probably wrong with that. It's probably even more than that yeah, now. Sure. But, but having subwoofers and having, like, super surround sound is, like, it, it really makes you feel like you're in the middle of it. Yeah. So I don't need something on my face to To, to immerse you. me more. <laughs> yeah.
0: To make this more real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how'd you end up at Full Sail? How'd that work out?
1: Well, I, I didn't do the greatest in high school. I, yeah. Like I said, I got a guitar when I was young, and all I really wanted to do was play music. Yeah. And... um and I was working at this cart in the middle of the mall selling Grateful Dead t shirts and concert stuff. And it was tie dyes. Yeah. Dancing <laughs> Bears, everything. Yeah. yeah. That was terrapin yeah. station tees. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And a co worker um, disappeared for like a week. And yeah. then I, I was like, Where's John? And he's like, And he came back. And he's like, Oh, I went down to this open house at full sale. And I was like, What's that? And he's like, It's a recording art school. I think you learn how to you know, get in the recording studio and make records and yeah. stuff. And I was like, what? Tell me. And he was like he showed me the 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 pamphlet? Yeah, yeah. It was like the <laughs> yeah, exactly. He showed it to me and he was like, dude, just call the number and What's know, the number? One eight hundred can rock. And I bet you that's still the number. I bet, I bet it is. And too. I was like, okay. So uh, I, yeah, just called up, got the packet so they sent it because my parents were both like what are you going to do your yeah. grades aren't very good yeah. and you gotta you gotta do something and I was like this school it's a recording yeah. school it's like this is what it's I'm technical about. It, it involves
0: me there's not a lot of mm-hmm. um, standard ac- academic type you know classes to it right did you have to take English you, and math and all that yeah we
1: had to take a couple core classes but it was more like intro to Windows 95 yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah like you know, just weird stuff like yeah. that. But I mean it was you know, we had a recording class, we had a MIDI class, we had oh, cool. everything that we did was on two inch uh, analog okay. tape. So um where where were you working at the kiosk? Like where'd you where'd you grow up and all that? I grew up in Roanoke, Virginia. Oh yeah. Yeah off the Blue Ridge Parkway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's a, about know, about four hour drive from here, I guess, three yeah. and a half, four hours.
0: Okay. Both parents and all that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My dad now lives in Richmond. Okay. Virginia. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I grew up there and um went down I took about 6 months off, graduated from high school in I guess May or June, and then I started full sail in December. Okay. So I was like,
0: went straight to straight down to Orlando as a 19-year-old or 18-year-old I was I was 18. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I was 18 when I How went.
0: long how long were you down in Orlando at Full Sail?
1: It was uh when I went it was just a 13 month. Okay course because I, I mean it was you know now it's like you can get a bachelor's and a master's in it and so oh, wow. it's like a longer program but yeah, yeah when i went it was just an associate's program oh cool so it was 13 so you, yeah that's 13 cool months all you know around the no breaks full immersion yeah, yeah. you had yeah. like a christmas break but that was it
0: yeah so 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 straight down to full sale. a couple 13 13 months there and then then where'd you go
1: i went back to richmond and Live with my dad for a little bit and I commuted up to DC and uh worked at a recording studio called Q recording in Falls Church, Virginia. Okay. Just basically. How, how long's that drive? Richmond to DC. Uh maybe like an hour and 15 minutes maybe. Was that know. your commute? Well, I had a friend that um was going to George Mason University. My brother went there too. Um but and That's the, in DC? Mhm. Well, okay. just outside of DC, okay. yeah. In Virginia? Mhm. And so went to, um, I stayed with her. She was, she had an efficiency in the, the bottom floor of this house that this old lady lived in. Yeah. So I crashed on her floor for a while. Okay. And, uh, yeah, just got into, you know, it was like the seventh intern at the studio and they just hired
0: a bunch of interns.
1: Well, they, yeah, I guess so. You know, cause <laughs> I mean, I came up on it and I was like the seventh guy and, and, um, and I was like, okay, let's make some coffee. <laughs> Let's do Let's it. Let's straighten up some Did magazines. You make better coffee than the other six oh, interns. Absolutely. I love coffee. So mm. you can't out coffee me. Right.
0: People so- appreciate it when you got a fresh
1: pot waiting on them. Fresh pot! <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Is that what you yelled from the kitchen at? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, basically. Yeah. Dave Grohl enforced that one. Yeah. um But yeah, I just worked up there for a little bit. um You know, it was like two days into being an intern, and I skipped everyone. You 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 did better than the other six, and you were exactly. Yeah. And they noticed. Yeah.
0: Uh, well, they were the the people just, that owned the place noticed. The yeah, people that yeah. owned Q Recording said, "We have seven interns, and one of them is starving."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Basically, no. They had, they was just sitting at the desk reading magazines. I mean, this is all before smartphones. This is all yeah, before. Yeah. Really, anybody had a cell phone? People this were figuring like, out a day, yeah. A before way to to screw people off. were interneting and yeah, yeah. you know doing all that, so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna bust my ass and and you know do whatever I have to do to, to get ahead. And the main guy, the head engineer, was in a pickle, couldn't figure out how to get out of this one screen, you know, on his computer, old, yeah, it was a big old like tube monitor, and and he couldn't figure out he's gotten to a preference window and was like dude i what the heck i can't get out of this
0: was this a guy that had had because that was what 20 years ago or more
1: this was in 99 yeah okay computer were computers a big part of the music industry at that point pro tools came out in like 94 or 95 or something but it really didn't catch on until like 98 99 people were still doing tape yeah absolutely yeah everything most of all of my sessions were on two inch 24 track tape gotcha Sometimes we'd have two machines, you know, so we had 48 tracks or some wow. of my sessions had the dash machines, the, the digital reel-to-reel, yeah. so that's a 48-track machine. And
0: So this guy had Pro Tools open and couldn't get out of it? Couldn't, couldn't get almost... out of it.
1: So he's been sitting there for like 30 minutes trying to figure it out. And then I walk over and I look at it and I'm just like, and I just <laughs> hit the enter button. His aspect ratio on his screen was all skewed up. and. Yeah. And like the okay button was like beyond. was off of
0: his screen. He couldn't see the okay button yeah. and couldn't
1: find it to press it. Couldn't <laughs> find it. So I hit the internet button and he turned around and was like, oh my God. He's like, hey, you want to be my assistant tomorrow? <laughs> and I was like, absolutely. So yeah, I got to uh, assist on, uh, remember um, the R&B star, uh, Maya? Yeah. So she was the artist and Chucky Thompson was the producer. Cool. And, and so I was assistant on that session and. And that was really cool. And then I bet your eyes got were real big at that moment. It's like,
0: well, I was an intern yesterday and oh, now I'm absolutely. in the room with the yeah.
1: R&B star. Well, I, I have just a, a trait about myself that I work really good under pressure and I work like I'm a really technical person. I'm a super amazing problem solver. Sure. Troubleshooter. Like I can, like I can get out of a jam. Yeah. Pretty easily. So I just, I, and I read manuals and stuff like, uh. Like people are off reading magazines and like fun stuff. And I'm like buried in manuals. Like I want to learn about every aspect of this piece of gear. Yeah. Somebody comes in and doesn't know how to use it. I can be like, boop, boop, boop. And then, you know, save the day or end up skipping seven interns. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I
0: feel like working well under pressure means, you know, that's a trait of somebody who knows their shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because if you're worried about what you're, yeah, if you're worried worried that your chops aren't there then uh you're going to get intimidated mm-hmm. you know, when the pressure's on when you got four musicians looking at you going I'm ready to play.
1: Yeah, and you're like oh, hold on one second. Yeah. I've gotta I have got to restart this. So I got to yeah. I, oh, I forgot to plug the cables in like yeah. I, I mean yeah, so yeah. I was just I really wanted it really bad, so that goes a
0: long way. Mm-hmm. People notice it. Absolutely. So that was cue Recording in DC? mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
1: Yeah, it was How, Falls Church, Virginia, which is okay. literally like a couple miles from the border of D.C. Yeah. So, but so, then, he, yeah, he gave me the, the, one of the, the B room, and, and I was just engineering everything. So, oh, really? So yeah. you went from being an assistant there to being an engineer there. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's was, cool, man. I wasn't getting paid much money, but I was recording a whole bunch of punk rock bands, and okay. that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I did that for a few months, and then, and then I got a call from, uh, the guys I was roommates with at Full Sail and they're like, you know, just checking on each other. Hey, have you yeah. found any work yet? And I'm yeah. like, Oh, I'm kind of working at the studio, but nothing's really going on. Yeah. And and they're like, well, yeah, we don't have much going on either. We're going down to Atlanta on Wednesday. And I was like, Ooh, ooh I want to go. And they're like, mm, if you go with us, that means you're going to move to Atlanta. With <laughs> us. And I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Called their bluff. Yeah. I was like, oh let's do it. Yeah. So Wednesday comes and we I'd jump in the car in Virginia, go down to Sanford, North Carolina and pick them up and then go down to Atlanta. And we just start looking for apartments. <laughs> I'd never been to Georgia before. Really? I mean I've passed through it on like, your way to Orlando exactly. from Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> on yeah, seventy five South. Well, no, <laughs> it was actually from Richmond, it was ninety five okay, south. Yeah. So actually we we the, didn't even go side. through Georgia. Yeah. Oh, okay just Went down the coast. You know? the
0: first time you'd ever been to Georgia, you were looking for apartments mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Did you know a lot about Atlanta? Nothing. You didn't know there was a
1: good rap
0: scene there? I and...
1: hadn't, I wanted to be a rock star. So okay. I, like my, still,
0: still had that going.
1: Yeah. So like my, like I listened to, you know, a lot of West Coast rap and, yeah. you know, Cypress Hill and, and yeah. Dr. Dre and, yeah. you know, all that stuff when I was yep. growing up. And, and so like, I, you know, I liked it, but I didn't think that I was going to be into, R and B and hip hop music, you know, and pop music. I yeah. thought it was going to be rock and roll. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, just got down there, and found an apartment, and about five days later, like I, I just opened up the phone book and Doppler Studios had the biggest ad in the mic. yellow pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, Oop. oh man. I live like a half a mile from, this studio. This from is the studio. From the one who bought the biggest ad in the yellow pages. <laughs> they must be doing well. Exactly. <laughs> so went down there, and you already had experience as mm-hmm. a, a B room engineer. Yep. So I skipped the intern process in Atlanta and went straight to just being an assistant. Yeah. And um, I assisted one session at Doppler, and uh, the the client was uh, it was a jagged edge session. It was the artist? It was a song for the Big Mama House soundtrack. The oh. Martin Lawrence movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. where he has the fat suit, the on. fat suit, yeah, yeah, and um, so yeah, uh, just hit it off with the engineer, which actually his name was Ralph, and I saw Ralph this past weekend. It was great. Seeing no that. way, yeah. Where at? Down in Atlanta. Is he still there? Yeah, he's still. He has his own studio, Parhelion. It's oh, great, cool. it's amazing studio. He's still doing amazing things.
0: So he was an engineer, and you were his assistant. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: yeah. So yeah, cal the tape machine. Threw up the reels, got all the input, and then just kind of like, you know, yeah, you know the whole setup process is the biggest part. And then once the session's going, the session's going, and you yeah. just take care of the clients. Yeah. So the clients really liked me. The producer uh, was this guy, Brian Michael Cox, big time R&B producer. Yeah. And uh, he was assigned producer to a production company called Noontime. And after the session, he was like, man, we need an, uh, an engineer at our place you want to is that interest you and i was like absolutely let's uh let's talk about it
0: so So. he came in and produced a record at doppler Mm -hmm. and saw you and said hey can i hire you away basically (laughs) Yeah. yeah
1: so he took me over to his production company the next day and uh and i talked to the owners and we worked out a salary and uh and then they gave me the b room <laughs> so, <laughs> back in the b room back in the b room So how long were you at doppler then just one session <laughs> it was just that one session It just i just met the people because i wasn't like a I was freelance so yeah. i wasn't like a staff guy yeah if they wanted to keep you they
0: could have hired you full-time right? exactly <laughs> yeah
1: and this other production company did yeah so noontime noontime yep yeah um so three- well, how much
0: did you do with them did you do a lot with them
1: oh yeah yeah i yeah. did a lot um I was uh, I was the engineer on uh, Ludacris record area codes with Nate Dogg.
0: I've got hoes. That's right. I <sighs> Love that
1: cut. I've got hoes. <laughs> yep. Um, so I engineered that record. Um, that was a pretty big record when I first got going. Yeah. And then like a couple weeks later, I uh, I was the engineer on the uh, Trick Daddy CeeLo record. Yeah, I remember in the that. Wind. Yeah, Drow in the Wind? Yeah. Yeah, I remember Topped that. Popped lit the sunshine. You can smell in. it from here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, worked on a bunch of Pastor Troy records. Yeah. Uh, worked on a bunch of uh, Jim Crow. It's uh, a rap group that was uh, signed to Noontime. Okay. And uh, worked on a bunch of records with those guys. Produced a record on them called Band Camp, which was great. We tried to submit it to, uh, Amer- was it American Pie? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Is that where you got the name for is that where the,
1: uh, the it was name came from? After the first one had come out, they were working on the second one. And Cuddy Cartel, rest in peace. He just passed away last year. He oh, had a bummer. heart attack. Um, good friend of mine. Uh, sorry, man. Yeah, it sucks. Just out of nowhere, just yeah. like I get a call saying that you know he has passed, and but sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, but yeah, no. Me and Cuddy like uh, worked on a bunch of solo records. I, I probably I produced and engineered i don't know, I was looking at my catalog the other day i have probably have like 35 40 records with this guy really <laughs> so um yeah just you know writing records is uh artist little cory at the time produced a record on him that was pretty cool yeah um but um yeah did a lot did all the you know there was an a room there was an engineer aj he took care of all that stuff and whoever was booked in the b room was was my clients okay and so, what kind of clients was AJ getting in the A room while the, while you were running the B room? It just depends. I mean, yeah. I think he might have been working with Genuine or Tony Braxton or yeah. bigger, bigger, yeah, some A list artists. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I and mean, I ended up moving into the A room and did you? taking over that area as well. And How long did it take you to make that jump? Well, it was kind of, I kind of bounced back and forth between the A and the B room at one point because AJ ended up moving to, I think, Arizona. I think he wanted to be closer to his kids and gotcha. So and then I just kinda of took over everything until we found other help and stuff. So yeah. worked there for a few years. Um and then I just saw that Brian had something he had a spark in his eye, and I was like, That guy is gonna be the man. Brian Michael Cox? Yeah. I was like, I need to I need to corner that guy. Really? So I cornered him one day and I was like, Look, man, What's going on here at the studio is cool, but what you have going on, that's big. Really? And I wanna I wanna be I wanna be your guy. Yeah. What do you think about that? Have and you've ever... known him for a while at this point. I mean he dra- he dragged you over there, Didn't he? Yeah, I knew him for a few years at that point. Yeah. We so worked... You guys had worked together quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. So there was an A room there's A, B, C and D. A and B were recording rooms and C and D were production rooms. So What's he... what's production room? Just making mean? music okay they're just it's just a small room where, with equipment and they're just writing writing music drum machines keyboards synthesizers guitars gotcha you know but My, not recording live bands not, no no okay. no whenever we needed to do live stuff we would go either to doppler or to patchworks or to tree okay. sound the bigger studios with the big live rooms and, gotcha and they were outfitted they had you know all the microphones you would ever want mike pre's big yeah. large format consoles and yeah. such and So we would just figure out what we need to do. If it's just a R&B rap thing where the producer makes the beat on a drum machine and some keyboards, then we don't need anything. We just need a microphone to record the vocal. Sure. And if we need to do anything bigger than that, then we'll book a bigger room and bring in the live drums, bring in the, you know, a Doppler was one of my favorite rooms because it was so big and they had an amazing grand piano and a. Oh wow! B three yeah. roads, a, a grand and, piano
0: in the in the live room.
1: Well, they had uh, the control room was huge, but then there was the giant live room, and off of the giant live room was the drum booth. So sometimes we would have the drums in the big room, and sometimes we had the drums in the drum booth. Right, and then there was another um, room right beside that that the grand piano was in. Oh, Okay, and there was another room on the other side that was basically just the vocal room. Gotcha. <clears throat> and then there was a cable closet that they had the Leslie cabinet in for the. Oregon. So. Gotcha. Yeah. D- did a lot of, a lot of live recording in that room.
0: Yeah. So that's it. That's at noontime.
1: That was it. Well, it was yeah, at no, Doppler. Noontime, Doppler but that was a big room. Right. Yeah. But that was, that was your, your stint at noontime. How long, how long did it last? Um, from 2000 till about, I'd say till about 2003. Cause okay. I latched on to Brian personally at yeah. that point. You guys and became so, partners in crime at that yeah. point. So we had, um, we did a lot of stuff at Noontime. Now he is signed to that company. So, okay. and I believe, is that like a label? Yeah, it's thing? like an indie indie label, yeah. indie production company. It's kind of gotcha. like a kind of like a pop fizz. Yeah, you know, a small small setting. Yeah, big sound. Yeah, they had uh, Brian Michael Cox, Jazzy Fay, Teddy Bishop, Donny Scans. Uh, at one point, they had this guy J Dub, which yeah. ended up making all those Biggie records yeah. and all those Bad Boy stuff with Puff Daddy and all that. And so,
0: like top brass, good good guys. Oh yeah, good like, folks. I mean,
1: yeah, like I didn't walk into a bunch of people that were aspiring; like they were already doing. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. You know, they like, weren't figuring it out at this point; they were, they were on it. Yeah, so, so did that for a bit, and then we moved to Stankonia in. To Outcast studio and we yeah. rented a room out of their studio. Is is
0: um is Stankonia label? Or is that um, I mean I know they it's have the a, of
1: one of their albums, right? Yeah, the, that's the name of one of their albums. They have a their studio is called Stankonia. Um okay. their label um it's Purple Ribbon, okay is the label that they had. And then Kill- and it was it was Outcast's label. hmm Yeah. Okay. And Killer Mike was like their first artist, I think. Oh yeah.
0: Killer Mike's doing cool stuff yeah these days. F- very cool person. Run the Jewels is awesome. Yeah,
1: Run the Jewels is great. He's a great person just Is he? Just as a person. He like, seems like it. He's a big teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, he seems he seems like it. So yeah, did that. Um we were at Stankonia. You for, and BMC? Yeah, for about uh two and a half, three years there. Okay. And then we just the room was really small, so we're like, we need a bigger room. Was it a recording studio? Mm-hmm. And you guys had your own studio there. Yeah, they have and like offices and stuff too, or or just, they, just a studio. There's some offices work, upstairs, but their gotcha. offices were the label offices were across the street. They had another building. Okay. Um. So did that for a bit, um, which is I got a really cool story about. The, the big live room at Stankonia has a grand yeah. piano in the middle. Yeah. And we were all hanging out around the grand piano. We weren't really busy at the time. Yeah. And Andre walks in and sits down, starts, you know, I, mean, I see Big and Dre all the time. So, yeah. you know, Dre walks in and sits at the piano and starts playing a prototype. Like, he hadn't recorded it yet. Really? Like, he was still working it out. Yeah. Just start, you guys were like, just hanging out. Yeah, we're all like, holy shit, that's an amazing record. Yeah. And then next thing I know, Stankonia drops and... Or, my bad, the speaker speaker box box and Love Below Drops. And we're like, holy cow. I remember that. I still remember that. I remember exactly. He had a tie-dye shirt on, looking big old bell-bottoms, looked just like (laughs) Jimi Hendrix. And I was like, man, this guy.
0: Was he doing the movie at that time? Didn't he do a a Jimi Hendrix movie? Didn't he play Jimi Hendrix in a biopic?
1: I think so. I know that there was lots of talks about it, but I'm not sure if it ever really lifted off or not. I feel
0: like I saw him as Jimi Hendrix. He could have. He could have. Yeah, maybe I
1: Maybe maybe I saw the pilot for it and then we took a look or something. You know, I'm not I'm going to sure. check in. on I'm yeah, going to fact check. I have to Google that. Yeah. Um, but then after that, we moved into Doppler because they had a okay. room, they had a, a room available. Oh, so cool. we moved into Doppler. And were you got?
0: Did you guys have a company or a label that you were that you had your name under, or was it still? Was it just his Noontime he, label? He,
1: he has a a company called Black Baby Inc. Okay, so like I'm. I, I've always been a freelance person, so I was never like. I mean, as I was his engineer for fifteen, twenty years or something, <laughs> but I was never an employee of his. Right. It's Just like he was always he had hired. Work, me. You had work. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I'd say ninety percent of all the money made was coming from labels anyway. So it's not like he really came out of pocket, you know, that much. In the yeah. in the beginning, he kind of paid for some stuff, and yeah. And he developed a couple acts of his own, so he would pay you know for that stuff. But okay. most of the stuff was all major label based because back yeah. then it was like you had to have a label, you had to have a recording studio. It's, yeah, nobody was... the resources weren't as accessible. You weren't working on laptops and stuff yeah. at that point. So yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: in the in like the film world, I think about it. You know, twenty years ago, maybe twenty five years ago, you I mean you had to have a three. Three hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment to cut film. On. Yeah, you could buy a thousand dollar laptop right now, and it screams.
1: Oh, you know, absolutely, with, it's and, amazing what yeah. you can do with a the laptop these days. Yeah, like people were really standoffish about digital audio I'm when sure. I first got into the business. I'm sure, all the um, purists were like, "No way." Yeah, where are Nothing's they now? Nothing's going to be there. They all sold all their studios, and yeah. they, they're not in the business anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like all the studio, like exactly. Doppler is it's not anymore i mean really? somebody bought the building really? and they kept the name they weren't supposed to keep the name but they yeah. did it was and, already on the sign and the yeah and the the owners were just like mm, fuck it just yeah, let them have the name yeah. they're like late 60s they're like they cashed out you know they're like i'm good yeah but they had the studio since 1967 like the owner was an intern in 67 kidding and me. then he ended up being just moving up so it was and around then, forty years before they sold. It was around four forty forty years before mm-hmm. they sold it. Yeah, it was one of the one of the premier studios in wow. in town. It still is. I mean, some some other people bought it since then, and it's like there's so many rooms in that building. So it's just like they just rent out to everybody. Yeah. Whereas when Doppler was Doppler, it was like they had a whole section where they did all the voiceovers and because you know Turner Cartoon Network, yeah, yeah, all Adult, that stuff, Adult Swim, yeah. TBS card, you know, all it's that all stuff. It's all headquartered yeah. down there. So they would do all the ADR and all the dialogue stuff. Okay, and, so it yeah. wasn't just a it wasn't just a music recording studio. They did ADR yeah. for film and mm-hmm. they did voiceover work and all yeah. that. And they had a bunch of people doing cool. music beds and stuff and did they have a library? Like a oh, music yeah. library yeah. that they mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's funny how many little different pieces of the puzzle
0: you've got to put together to make a mm-hmm. to make a real outfit then and yeah. and now too, you know. You can't you can't just be a, a recording studio where you know, a rap artist rents
1: you, you know, mm-hmm. to come to come and record a record. Like
0: they had to do, sounds like a lot of piecemealing too. Mm-hmm. It's like well, companies now have to do it.
1: Yeah, they had a whole bunch of small rooms, which is what they occupied, and then they had two big SSL rooms with the giant consoles in it, and those were the music rooms. Cool. So those are the two rooms that we would occupy, and then they had a back hallway that was all music producers and stuff. So we occupied two of the three of those rooms in the yeah. back. So, uh, how long did you and Brian stay at Stankonia? It was probably till like two thousand five. Okay, and then we moved to Doppler, and we mm-hmm. were a Doppler okay. for, I mean, ten years. Really? More, probably. So more that than. was the yeah. that was the bulk of it. Yeah.
0: Okay. What what kind of artists were you guys recording when you went back to Doppler?
1: Um, we uh, we had a big run with Mary J. Blige. We did a oh, bunch okay. of records on her. We did. Um, How'd that stuff go? Amazing. We yeah. we did a record called "Be Without You," and that was probably the biggest record that she's ever had, and it's probably yeah. one of the biggest records of all time. I remember it. Yeah, it was number one for eighteen weeks, and it was labeled. Uh, Billboard magazine called it the song of the decade. Really, two thousand to two thousand ten. Yeah, and then just recently, maybe like six months ago, they uh, they named that song the. The best R and B song of all time. No way. Yeah. And you recorded it? I recorded it, yeah. I was one of the guys that recorded it. So yeah. there's a couple of different engineers because they went back to LA and they did some overdubs and they did some other yeah. vocals and stuff. So but uh yeah, we ended up winning a Grammy for best R and B album um for that That's album. Awesome. And then we won a Grammy for the best R and B song for Be Without You. Yeah. You so you you won two Grammys? Four. Four Grammys. Yeah, what were the other two for? And then, like the next year, we were back in the studio with Mary on her album. What was it called Growing Pains? I think we did like three or four records on that album, and uh, and then that one for Best R and B Album. Man. And then like two years go by, and and then I I mixed um, the entire album for India Irie. Yeah. Uh, the let's see, it's a uh, testimony to. Love and Politics was the name of the album. So I mixed that in. How'd entire. that one do? Uh it did great. We won a Grammy for uh for a song called Pearls, which was the Sade remake. Cool. And uh, it was the best urban alternative performance or something. With, yeah, one of those. There was a French artist, Dobe Gandor, that was uh a singer on it as well. And uh yeah, NDRE, so, man. Yeah. That's she's awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. She's great.
0: Yeah. That's super cool.
1: So yeah, we did a lot of a lot of big records and you know, uh we did a lot of records on Justin Bieber's first album. Okay. We did a bunch of records on Chris Brown's first album. Gotcha. We we like to break people? Yeah. It sounds of, like it. <laughs> it's fun and it's really great to work with people that are established, but yeah. it's also really great to take this no-name person mm-hmm. and produce them and record them and then boom. You have no idea what you're doing and then it comes out and it just goes. It's just like, okay. That was yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> Can you feel it when you're in the
0: studio with somebody like that, with like a Justin Bieber? Like,
1: do you know what you're doing? Do you, are, are you,
0: you know, if if you do 100 recording, you know, sessions a year, and a Justin Bieber walks in, are you like, okay, that guy's got it? The other 99 didn't. Like, do you know? Do you do you notice I it? Know you that, recognize yeah, it? Yeah,
1: I know that now, and I, I I learned that pretty early on. But I mean, the kid was like 13 when I met him, really, and he was bouncing off the walls like a kid yeah, like and, a 13 year old kid and he was playing the drums and he was playing the piano and he was playing the guitar and i'm like he's playing like this guy is he's like, good he's good and i was like man and he can sing i was like this guy is he's talented yeah he's gonna be something and and sure enough i mean yeah, he's he was. a huge pop star didn't so. he get found on youtube is that, how that yeah he, well what had happened was he did a cover of ushers you got it bad and gotcha. brian produced that song really and so usher and Brian are like homies they're like yeah. best buds so yeah. so um Brian was like yo Usher this guy covered your song and listen to this and we play I mean if you could look on YouTube you could find it <laughs>
0: do it, we sue him or do you just I, want to holler at him
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I even recorded the video really <laughs> like <laughs> I'm not in the video but yeah. I'm like holding the camera yeah. when he's singing this and and yeah so Usher ended up signing him to his label and uh, we did a bunch of records on his first album and then on the second album, and yeah, it's just it's great to be able to break an artist, especially somebody young. Like a lot yeah. of people in the music industry are like, "Oh, you're too young to be here." I'm like, everybody that has ever been anything started when they were super young, yeah, and they were famous. I mean, the yeah. Beatles they were like teenagers sure. when they started. Like, yeah, I mean, all the bands that we listen to. They were super, super. Yeah, young. they didn't
0: pick it up when they were thirty five and gotten famous for it, Right. You know. They These were all doing
1: are, it early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's just a it's a blessing to be in in the company of, of people that that are, you know, amazing writers and producers. Yeah. Uh, this songwriter, Jonte Austin, wrote all those songs that I just spoke about, the Mary yeah. J songs yeah. and he didn't write the Indie I. songs. My um, good friend of mine, Drew Castro, uh, he produced the entire album and uh and then Which i got one? to mix it the ndire album. Okay. yeah he he produced that whole album and me and him were like best friends so uh of course he's gonna reach out to me and be like yo i want you to mix this and there was a couple other mixers that they had and and i beat them out <laughs> they had the 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 first single was called therapy and they sent it to a couple different people and and then i mixed it and they were like yo <laughs> this is the guy that we want to mix the album yeah so yeah, you have to you have to put forth your best work because there's all the time. There's so many time. people, especially nowadays. There's so many people out there that do the exact same. Yeah, thing there's trunk slammers or free. You know,
0: people that are that
1: are hungry mm-hmm. that are out
0: there that have chops and they they're right behind you, man. Yeah, to take your job exactly if you're not doing it. Yeah, I you know my wife gives me a hard time because like, you have to make a hundred every time. You have to make an A plus every single time you do something and it's like you know it's it's a hard you just that's how life is especially when you're a freelance that and that's where that <clears throat> mentality comes from for me is is that freelance mentality. If, mm-hmm. It's this person's choice to hire me again next time. I have to make an A plus this time yeah. or they're not going to hire me. Again. Exactly. Because if I make a B plus and somebody else comes in and makes an A, they're going to be looking at that mm-hmm. A pretty hard.
1: Yeah. And you, you have to have those kind of grades in your technical ability, but you also have to have those kind of grades in your personality. Because That's another big
0: part of it that a lot of people
1: nobody, overlook. I mean, in a recording studio, I'm sure I'm sure it's the same way on a on a on a set, but especially in a recording studio, if the vibe gets shot, yes, you the, might as well just turn the lights off and go home. Absolutely. Because if especially if it's the talent that gets shot. It's know.
0: a people game. I mean you you're dealing with people with personalities and and, and they're <sighs> Their vibe, especially if they're an artist, and with with me, it's mostly actors. Mm-hmm. When I'm when I'm directing actors, like I have to make sure that they are in a good headspace all the time, or mm-hmm. I'm not going to get the performance I need out of them. Same if, thing. Yeah. And if I lose it, it, I mean, it doesn't take much. It could be a, the smallest thing that happens, and then you know you've got forty, fifty, sixty people sitting back here who have worked to make this scene yeah. happen in front of the camera.
1: Yeah. But something happened with your actor, and they're not able to give you the performance mm-hmm. that you want. Same thing with singers. You know? I figure. There was a songwriter, Adonis Shropshire, that I've done a, amazing work with. And I've learned so much about vocal producing from him that like, you never say negative words to people. Like, no nots, no cants, no won'ts, don'ts, yeah. nevers sucks any of yeah. that stuff like you just don't say that stuff
0: it's, it's not in the vocabulary
1: so if you're not hitting the note right or you're messing up the pocket then you're like ooh, ooh, that that's cool let's let's take it up a notch like you know yeah like give it to me Ooh, and try this oh and when you get to the note where it's, it's a little high right there raise your eyebrows like like all these yeah. little things that mm-hmm. are that I, are positive positive encouragement yes that's and, how the rasta people
0: do it have you looked into that like they don't understand things because under is a negative word they overstand something mm, and it's like this that? whole yeah it's it's kind of crazy the re movement <laughs> yeah
1: well i mean you you just have to have you know because i mean at the end of the day you're recording that person so it's like first off it's not your song it's their song right so your opinion doesn't count unless you're the writer or the producer right and even if you are the writer and the producer. It's their song. Yeah. Like you hired this producer to produce your record. Sure. I here's my idea. And if the producer takes it and goes a different way, they're like, That's not that doesn't sound like me. I would never say that. I don't sound that way. Yeah. I can't hit those notes. Yep. So you have to really cater things to people. So yeah. that's like one of the really big reward is to custom tailor stuff. Yeah. I work with this first AD named Mike Figlio and
0: Great Guy. You know him. I love figly Fig Fig is the man, but he um he used to be a sound guy too. Yeah, he's. I think he still does some of that from time to time, but he's a wonderful first AD, and I won't go anywhere without him these days. But he um he learned a lesson from his dad that was like these artists. His dad was a uh, an engineer, or he recorded you know bands studio, and um he tells this story that his dad told him it was like you know a lot of people can do what we do uh but these artists you know they're in here because they trust us and because they want us to capture what they've got our job is to yes capture what they're doing and capture what they've got but enable them to do a little bit more get that little bit extra
1: mm-hmm.
0: out of them and i think that's a, a bit of a, a bit of a, a a universal thought with any any kind of you know when you're dealing with any kind of artist mm-hmm. it's it's let's Let's get it. Let's get what we know. Well, let's get the baseline. But
1: let's do something mm-hmm. that makes this special. Ex- special. That's the word. It's special. Yeah. Because anybody can sing. Anybody can play. But if you're special, then that's what rings with people.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody can do the baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Atlanta was a thing for you for how long? You said 20 years? Yeah. 18 years. 18 yeah. years? is hmm Is that is – that, um, yeah, you know, back that back at that last stint with with Brian Michael Cox at Doppler was that the Were you there when you decided to leave Atlanta, or had you gone on to something else before you decided to? Um, no,
1: we. Uh, I mean, we. That was from like 2000 until like 2015. Okay, so basically 15 years I was ex- like his guy. Yeah. And then after we stopped working together, basically we stopped working together because technology took my job. Oh, really? And it was b- half my fault <laughs> because I am so tech savvy that we were uh, – You automated your job and then they said we not Basically, <laughs> Is yeah. Well, it was like, you know, he used the MPC 3000 and – What's you know, that? Uh, it's a drum machine. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, MPC stands for MIDI Production Center. Yeah. So you, gotcha. you got like, you know, two in four out MIDI and so you, you hook up keyboards, sound modules, a yeah. bunch of moog stuff, gotcha. a bunch of rolling stuff, cord, you know, we had racks and racks and racks of gear. So any session that we had, like I was toting all these racks around and wiring everything up and then micing everything yeah. and then setting the vibe doing all that. I mean, I would bring tapestries, candles, incense, you know, I mean, <laughs> lights, like I'm setting the vibe. That's that little bit of special you got to give. Exactly. Up. And uh, and then laptops came out, and and then I was like, Brian, you should, you know, you need to get into this thing, Logic, this thing called Logic. It was eMagic at the time, and and before Apple bought it, so it was eMagic Logic, and and so you know, we got a computer and we put that on there, and I set up all the environments for him to talk to the drum machines and yeah. all the modules and everything. <laughs> and then next thing you know, like everything that I was doing to to do that, it was all in a box. It was all on a yeah. laptop and yeah. some hard drives for your sound modules. And then he ended yeah. up selling off all of his modules and all buying, the rack
0: mounted hardware stuff. Yeah,
1: He just had a laptop, his drum machine and a keyboard yeah. and a hard drive full of stuff. And so, and then it just got to the point where, you know, he would call me for the big stuff. Yeah. He, he wouldn't call me for the, you know, the day to day stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so I opened my own studio and I had a studio in Candler park lydian sound is what i called it and um did a bunch of records there a lot of live stuff cool a lot of multi-musician you know drums bass guitar gotcha. roads organ stuff like that uh I had a studio partner rahim which is uh i just went down to atlanta last weekend saw his band play it was amazing cool um, what's what are they called his band's called arcadia cool it's like a synth prog metal band well that sounds fun Two synth players and a drummer. The drummer's Bron Daler from Mastodon. Oh, cool. Amazing, amazing, yeah, amazing. Like you want to get your face blown back. It's like full on assault. <laughs> two like, synths and a metal band. Yeah, in the synths, uh, you're not playing chords or anything. It's yeah. all riffs. Yeah. So there's no guitars or no bass, but yeah. you think that there's guitars and bass. And he band. was your
0: <laughs> he was your uh Raheem he, was your, your he had partner? Half the,
1: yeah, he had half the building and I had the other half. Okay. So he had his own live room control room. I yeah. had my own live room control room. How long so.
0: did that that go on?
1: I had that for a couple of years. And then I got um, a call from Tricky Stewart, another big, 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 big R&B pop producer. Cool. Um, he wanted me to come in and be his guy. Okay. And, and, you know, take care of his sound. He was. He had just recently moved back from Los Angeles went out to L.A. for a while and did that thing. So, he he always had a studio in Atlanta since, like, 94 or something. So okay. um, Triangle Sound is his studio. Okay. So Tricky called me up because I had done some stuff for him in the past. He used to, like, stockpile records, and that would go by, like, once a week and just rough mix all of his stuff. Oh, that's cool. So I built a He'd good have a big, old, a big old
0: bucket of work for you to exactly. do Exactly,
1: yeah. Do and I did a lot of wiring for him. Yeah. You know, we – redesigned the studio a few times and yeah um so uh yeah great meeting and so i ended up going over there and doing all his sessions and working with him and the dream the dream is a a songwriter yeah um tricky and the dream they uh they wrote baby for justin bieber yeah and they wrote umbrella for rihanna and they wrote single ladies for beyonce (laughs) and amongst a gang of more yeah. other red. Those were are those huge, are just the but big, those were the yeah. super big ones. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went over there and started working with them. And then I still had my studio, but I was like, I haven't been to my, I haven't even walked into the door in three months because I've been over at his studio. Yeah. So I was like, what do you think about me closing my studio and bringing all my equipment over here and making your room like the most badass room that it can yeah. be? And he's like, okay bring it on yeah (laughs) so that was like 2015 so I went over there set up shop did a bunch of big records with him um and then uh nice it's raining it is raining. I I like that I like it too yeah it's soothing yeah uh did a bunch of records with him a lot of uh a lot of tracking and and engineering and mixing for for projects that we were working on and uh And then I just, like, I always show up early, like really early. early. Got to. Even if I don't have a session. Like, I'm literally there as soon as I wake up, get something to eat. Yeah. Go off to the studio. And then I really kicked my own writing into gear. Cool. Started producing. And uh, my friend Patrick, Patrick Postalwaite, amazing producer, musician, bass player, guitar player. Me and him have written a bunch of records. Cool. Produced a couple records on this, uh, this rapper, Thutmose, out of New York from he's originally from Nigeria. Oh. He's cool. uh he grew up in uh grew up in Nigeria but then he moved to Brooklyn. So uh did a record called Say It to My Face with him and uh it's been licensed a few times. A couple NFL cool. players have licensed it for their intro music and stuff <laughs> and the spinoff of Blackish called Grownish, they yeah. licensed it. Oh, cool! ESPN's first take licensed it. So oh, cool! That's like that song that just keeps on giving. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just keeps. <on> getting, <laughs> I mean, I'm getting emails from the NFL, and I'm like, holy cow, this is bananas. So, so,
0: so how, so what got you here? Like, what, how did that whole transition go? Why did it happen?
1: Uh, I think it was basically kids. Yeah, like. We had my daughter, Luca, uh-huh. and, um, in 2017. And you were still in Atlanta. And they were still in Atlanta. Okay. And, you know, we had a really small house, but we were right in the middle of Emory University. Yeah. So it was, like, nice, but it was yeah. too small. Like, we have two dogs, a cat, me and my wife, yeah. and then now our daughter. And she's uh, she grew up here. She grew up in Knoxville. Your wife so, did? Yeah. She was born in... Uh, in Ohio and then she moved when she was like 5 or 6 to Knoxville. So she basically grew up here. And her mom and dad and her brother and her two sisters and, you know, all their spouses and little cousins and everything here. So I'm like, man, I want my kids to grow up around their family. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> then let's see. We uh we found out we were pregnant again. Oh, with Jonah. So I'm like, okay.
0: Time to time to fish or cut bait yeah, here. Like yeah, we exactly. got to do something. Yeah, I was
1: like, I think it's time. I think it's time to go. Yeah, you know. And she's like, What are you talking about? Where are we going? I was like, You ready to move? She's like, Okay. This house kind of sucks. We're in a small house. Like, yeah, sure. I was like, Let's go to Knoxville. And she's like, What? And like started doing backflips. <laughs> I'd stuff. love to be closer to my family. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we um we moved up here in July 2018. Yeah. And um. And I, because I was like, you know what? I could probably do this because all of my clients have either, like I wasn't really needing to be in the studio yeah. as much. because could, we, It could be remote. Exactly. Yeah. Like I was mixing nonstop. So yeah. everybody would email me their files. I would yeah. do the work. They would PayPal me the money, send it back to them. Yeah, you never, it's a faceless transaction. <laughs> I was like, we could be anywhere. Yeah. So I was like, so I did that for a bit. I was still doing that. Like I still have clients, you know. And I'm—I mean, I never turn work down. Yeah. You know? So I'm still mastering, still mixing, still, yeah. you know, songwriting and doing all that stuff. Um,
0: what are some of the ones you're doing now, or the stuff you're mixing and mastering now?
1: Uh, there was a, a children's DJ, DJ Willy Wow. I just finished his album. Oh, um, fun. And the crowd goes, wow, is the name of that album. <laughs> having and
0: kids do that for you? Were you like, oh, I'll do a kid's oh, album? Oh, we had
1: kids on every single song. Yeah. Like, he had a handful of kids. But did having, having your own
0: kids, were you like, okay, yeah, I can work on a kid's <laughs> album, and, and this is okay? Oh, absolutely. Because
1: yeah. all I listen to is, you know, that kind of music. Yeah, You know, it's yeah. like, the ants go marching, and, yeah. you know, down by the bay, yeah. and... Baby Shark and Raffi. Yeah, all that stuff is like, you know, I'm like kids' music is great. Are you still doing stuff for adults too? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm still doing adult music. Um yeah, just finished that album. I tracked probably eighty percent of it and I mixed the entire album. Okay. And uh he's working on another album right now. He's he has a bunch of characters. So he's got this Sasquatch-looking character called Grotch. Yeah. And so he's working on that album, and he has a little small dude. Oh man, named he's got little a whole B. franchise. Dude. Yeah. He's
0: the, this guy has no
1: ceiling. Yeah. He just released like yesterday. Um, call it's a song called Little Stevie. Yeah. And it's educating children about Stevie Wonder. Oh, cool. So he well, everybody
0: uh, needs to know about Stevie Wonder. I'll exactly. Go ahead and tell you.
1: Well, he's a he's an African American guy. And there's not very many black guys out there that are children role models. Like all the hip hoppers and the R&B stars are very adult. So does he feel like it's his responsibility to be be that? Is that what he's trying to do? That's his calling, yeah. Gotcha. Like I don't know if his dad was really there for him. I don't know his story, his family story like that, but I don't know if his dad was really there for him. And he was always wanting to be good to children and stuff, so – yeah, he's been doing it forever. He's yeah. he's he's DJed at the White House. Oh wow! He's DJed for the mayor in Atlanta. He's throw, he throws parties all the time. Oh, he that's does. Cool. He had. He did a contract with the College Football Hall of Fame and did like fifteen weeks in a row. That's the the pretty kid, amazing. the kids parties. That's cool in the in the in the morning, and that's he, cool. he does New Year's Eve stuff. But it's instead of midnight, it's twelve noon. But it's kids. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's like sold out. Like that's you awesome. would not believe. They love him. Love him. The, uh, the parents love him too. Absolutely. Ah, oh, that's yeah. so cool. So yeah, yeah I, he's a super great friend of yeah. mine too. So that's cool. Yeah, and he's got a great thing going on, and and I'm always pushing him to do more. I'm like, yeah. dude, you just need a you just need a TV show. Yeah. I'm like, I was like, you need to get a camera. He's like, I got a camera. I was like, okay, we need to get you some lights and a green screen. And every morning you need to do something. And we'll find us an editor that can key in whatever in the you background. Need. Yeah, whatever it needs to be mm-hmm. with like little fish going around yeah. or like, you know. Oh, that's a great you know, idea. You got, should do that.
0: I'll, I'll help you.
1: Okay. I'm working on it. I'm trying to develop it because he needs, he needs people to help him with that. Like yeah. He's got ideas and stuff, but it's like. He doesn't know the the proper yeah, people, but that sounds really cool. We did a song called uh, "MLK That Way" and we put it out last Martin Luther King Day, and uh, it went number one on uh, Sirius. That's awesome on the the children's. That's channel. cool. That's yeah. cool, man. Yeah. So uh, he he's got records like the ants and the grasshoppers. Like, don't be a grasshopper, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, be an ant. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like just teaching kids because all these kids. You know, they look up to like Future and Migos and yeah, you know, all these like yeah, super and, hardcore and, and Migos, rappers they're and, grown
0: men and they're talking about grown
1: men stuff. Exactly. So, so let's, there's no let's get young this, role models yeah, for these kids. That's cool, man. That's yeah. really cool. So yeah, I've been doing a lot of work with him. He's just a fantastic person. Yeah. What else? Um,
0: I heard you were doing like an Alicia Keys record. Yeah,
1: Yeah, uh, me and Patrick and Tricky wrote a couple songs uh, for Alicia Keys. Um Pretty sure they're going to be on her album. It comes out next month. Gotcha. So yeah, we already got some of the paperwork in order, but waiting to hear. You know, if it if it made it or did not. did she record so, it? Yeah, she recorded both the songs, and she sounds fantastic on That's it. Awesome. And yeah, just uh, hoping that she uh, she keeps them. You know. Hell yeah. I hope so too. I hope that doesn't end (laughs) up on the cutting room floor. I know how that feels. Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes people record songs for an album and they don't make that album, but they make the next album. So it's like, you know, yeah, but they're fantastic records. Uh, there's a songwriter, sick pen is his name, which is a perfect name for this guy because like he is sick with that pen. Like he can write (laughs) his ass off. So he was the songwriter on these records and, uh, Another producer, Pierre Medor, was um, he co-produced it with us, and that's just awesome. some really amazing music. Yeah. You know, just so yeah, that's uh, something that's uh, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to check that out. I'm gonna have to keep my eyes peeled for that one. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: dude, thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming by. Yeah, man, I appreciate it so much. Absolutely, we gotta do this again. I think we should. Yeah, I think you can be a friend of the show.
1: I hey, you know, I could be a. <laughs> Yeah, I could be a, a a what do they call them a regular? Yeah, a regular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, everything is you know it's just kind of spinning into you know now I'm doing stuff with you and yeah you know working on TV commercials and TV sets and some reality shows and I
0: love having you around, man. I might I might just BMC you and just 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 <laughs> they, put hey, you,
1: make make you my sidecar everywhere I go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love yeah. the team. The team PopFizz got a great team. You You're know, damn right we do it's so, a good group absolutely
0: thanks again for coming over man I appreciate it a Yeah, lot. man. you got it well there you have it Sam Thomas fascinating story guys thanks a lot for listening thanks for uh, hitting me up at south of scruffy on Instagram south at gmail.com we got some more swag coming out I've sent out some t-shirts some coffee mugs Things like that. We've got some koozies coming too, and some stickers. So uh, keep hitting us up, keep interacting with us uh, around, uh, sending me emails and Instagram DMs and all that. And we'll try to get some try to get some more swag in your little hands, your hot little hands. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it a lot. Check you next
1: week. Matt Honkinen. play me out.